welcome to the Data Rockstars Coffee Podcast with me, Kelly Peters. And me, Regina Jonas. On today's podcast, we're going to talk a little bit about the UK's Information Commissioner's Office. Kelly, so you have said that they've been pretty active in the last week with some notifications on their website about action they've taken and thought that there would be a couple of good stories to cup on, one of which we actually did discuss about this time last year. Yes, so there's the, if I start off with the Clearview, which is an American-based organisation that has, in their opinion, billions of people's faces on a database. They use for facial recognition, which I think is abhorrent, but, you know, okay. Thankfully, the ICO agree with that stance, as they've done a joint operation with the Australians, and they've essentially have the intention to find. So there's a couple of things. The reason I find this interesting is because the ICO are intending to find the company. That doesn't mean the find's actually going to happen. It's just the intent to find. They've identified the company has doesn't have a lawful basis for processing the information, has no ability to really delete uh, or doesn't have a recognised process for deleting data because they're storing it. Uh, forever and they haven't really been transparent about their use the reason i find this really interesting is the ico in the past have made the statement that it's incredibly hard for them to get money out of organizations that are based outside of the uk so even though they may actually issue a fine of 17 million pounds because of flaws or their failure to comply with the regulation they may not actually even get the money. Wow. So why do you think they then go down the process? Do you think it's about raising people's awareness that this is something that's going on and happening? Because to be honest, I'd not heard of Clearview AI until obviously this came to light. And you can then imagine, obviously, with the way that they operate in terms of A, scraping publicly available photographs of people's Faces, and then allowing other individuals, including law enforcement agencies, to upload that data to try yeah. and identify individuals. That's quite a significant impact on each one of us as individuals. And without this particular action, how many of us would have known that this is going on? How many people who are maybe not even as interested in data and data protection as we are even pay attention to this story? And do you think that's the reason why they will look to try and find companies where they think that it might be difficult to actually follow and enforce that actual fine? Possibly. I mean, the Clearview have been under um, investigation in the US for some time now uh, because I follow a podcast that's a very data geeky one and it came up last year that there was a number of privacy activists that were raising the concerns that their faces were being used and their data was being scraped from the likes of Facebook and Instagram without their permission. So I, I first heard about them but hadn't really considered it from a UK perspective. I was just like, this is an American issue, which is a little naive on, on my behalf. But I think you're right in that the ICO are raising the issue because it does affect us. And it's to say that the reach isn't just for UK-based companies. The regulation reaches anybody that's processing our data outside or within our shores. And this is the process. I think also, from what I read, they need they obviously need to make representation to challenge this. But it'd be interesting to see what their their representation actually is. It's not like it's a security breach where you could say, okay, I can put a real strong case forward to, to say, I've put X, Y, and Z in place mm. and this is a measure. You have intentionally decided to scrape people's data from the, the web 
without consent, there'll be no other basis that you could really rely on. So I think that's what the, the commissioner is trying to raise. And I think the fact that it's a joint operation between the UK and the um, Australia, I think is also quite powerful as well. Interesting I was just going to say, I think that that's one of the things that I see in discussion quite a lot is that people like where the regulation does apply outside of our boundaries and similarly with the EU outside mm -hmm. of the EU area how possible is it to actively enforce and whilst I appreciate the level of interest is likely to be lesser for smaller organisations and businesses where the impact on individuals is potentially not as significant um, or maybe not have the same profile as this I think you're right that this does kind of put that marker down to say where it is a serious impact of and, and breach of our rights and freedoms as individuals mm -hmm. then it will be investigated and I think it's interesting as well that point you made around it not being a security or, or data breach that because I think that's often what people will associate with GDPR and data protection legislation mm -hmm. is that oh, somebody's lost my data or there's been a hack and this is obviously a contravention of that first principle about being lawful fair and transparent and this falls down on all three yeah. aspects because they've said there's no lawful basis for them to do that. There's no lawful basis for them to have a database full of essentially up to the world's faces to then yeah. allow different people to try and do a facial match and see where that facial recognition to see where that appears across the internet. And again, it's one of the queries we always get, isn't it? It's like, oh, if it's in the public domain, you know, I, I can do what mm. I want with it. And it's actually no, the second you put personal data, whether it's an image email address, name address, telephone number, whatever it is that you're storing in your own systems or bringing together in a structured way in your own systems, you have to have a lawful, justifiable basis that achieves a purpose for your company. You have to tell people about it if you're doing it. It's like you can't just process people's data because you want to and you think it's going to be a brilliant business idea for you. Yeah, yeah. Genuinely have to have that reason. <laughs> no, it's really interesting because I had this conversation earlier this week when I was delivering some training and two things came up was, well, can you answer the question about data in the public domain, Kelly? Secondly, we've been approached by a lead generation company who is telling us we've got all this fantastic data that we can provide you with access to where you can have really good leads. And the two things I said to the, the training was, just because it's in the public domain doesn't mean that you have the right to do whatever you want with it, because you mm -hmm. don't. And secondly, if you're being offered this amazing source of data, I'd want that company to be transparent about how they've obtained all that information. Because yeah. we know from experience with working with our clients that actually some people might complain to say, I don't know how you have that particular details about me because it is not on any of my professional profiles. Whilst this clear view might not apply to a lot of companies, I think that the public domain data or using of data to be able to help grow their business which is using public data sources is something that I think a lot of small businesses might pay some money for you know like a data list mm -hmm. and, and not necessarily ask the question of oh hold up a second where did you actually get this data from it won't just be linked in no absolutely I think there's a really key things to think about so it, it's an interesting story to see what happens because obviously it will be they I think they want to make a decision by mid 2022 so mm -hmm. we'll that was I imagine will be May June time so we'll we'll see what happens from that I was just going to say, I think the, the other thing to note is that obviously some of the intention to find that have been stated since GDPR for <laughs> particular likes of BA and Marriott have then been considerably less mm. when they've actually come to be implemented following appeal, etc. Yeah. So um, again, that may well be because of factors 
around what was in place versus what wasn't in place and that was very much more a data breach so again as you say it's going to be very interesting to see how this actually plays out in the longer term yeah. and obviously the one that we talked about i think it was just early into the after the incident happened uh, was the csv file being uploaded with the uk honors list for 2020 which always gets my goat because you know i have a, a slight issue with all things excel uh, and whatnot and what was interesting there are two things that enrages me about this one. I apologize <laughs> to everyone that's listening rant incoming <laughs> yes absolutely massively so so i'm really sorry is that whilst this was a very simple error that could have easily been prevented a five hundred thousand pound fine you might think well that's not a lot of money for this type of issue because three people complained about the they felt that they were physically at harm because of the postal code data that was released the public and the taxpayer are ultimately going to pay this fine because it is the government body that has been fined. It's not a, it's not a private firm or anything. So mm. that, it really upsets me that of no fault of our own, because of a system failure, which didn't have to happen, we now have to pay for that, which is why I think the fine's so low, but still, yeah, well. No, absolutely. And I think it was really interesting that um, there was a couple of things that I think demonstrated poor process. So the CSV file itself came from another system that had been set up incorrectly. So it was a new system that had been implemented to pull together the New Year's Honours list. And it had been set up incorrectly by the Cabinet Office. And so when it sent and spit out the CSV file, it included postal address data, which they had identified. So what they decided to do because they're on a bit of a tight deadline and this is always the always one of the factors it's time it's people's efforts and it's workarounds and what they decided to do is instead of amending the system was they decided to amend the csv file Mm -hmm. output and delete the postal addresses from the output problem was then every time that you then do a new csv extract out of the system the postal addresses are back in it and so it only takes one person who picks it up and maybe doesn't know what the process is and doesn't realize that they have to do the deletions or mm. somebody forgets because they're busy that day mm. the postal address is then included in the file again which is then the one that gets uploaded to the public domain and costs us yeah. and them five hundred thousand pounds from what probably wouldn't have taken too long mm. to actually look at mm. properly and set the extract criteria up yeah. correctly on the system Yeah, and they admit themselves that they didn't have a process for signing this off, which the reason that irritates me is that the New Year's Honours list is not a new thing. No. You know, this is not a new process. I I could almost understand a little bit if this was something new that people were getting used to. They were under pressure. They had a deadline to fit. I'm like, okay, I can kind of feel a little bit for you. But this is a process that's happened for years. So Mm. how did it fail this time? You know, and you've explained that but it's still it's taken this error to for them to actually change and and actually create and write down a process yeah and i think you know the other factor in in actually handling and dealing with the breach was the fact that yes as soon as they became aware of it they removed the the web link to Mm. the file but then it's still somebody knows what the actual exact web address was yeah and it's cached it's it's stored in ether of the internet that allows that makes it easier and quicker for us to access information it's still there so again you've obviously got somebody potentially dealing with it who doesn't 
necessarily have the full expertise to know everything yeah. they need to do and that's then meant that it's been available for longer than they thought it was yeah. and increased the number of times it was accessed because they've not fully dealt with it at the point that they became aware of no, it. No, absolutely and I think the other thing before we kind of start wrapping this up is that the reason I think this was such a, an issue is that whilst there was only three complaints, the, the reason people complained was that there were people that were the um, MI5 um, and the security services and high profile um, celebrities and it was their home address postcode that was published. Mm-hmm. So that was what they then felt they were potentially at risk of harm, which is a fair point. Yeah, and certainly, you know, there are people... You've got the politically exposed people and, you know, and mm. people who have, you know, higher interest and journalists, I'm sure, mm. will be all over that list of, you know, particularly sure. then if stories that are related to those individuals come out and they've got, mm. a, they've got a place that they can go. Yeah. Um, it's the impact might not even yet fully be known. Yeah. Just to say final thing, really, and then I'll stop talking, is that Elizabeth Denham finishes her tenure at the end of this month and she's handing over to John Edwards. So we'll have a new commissioner next year. Indeed. And it'll be very interesting to see what changes and developments come during his tenure and where his focus will be. So uh-huh. um, so that was some good insight into recent work of the UK ICO in our discussions this week. Please do let us know if you've got any stories or questions you'd like us to discuss in future episodes. You can contact us on coffee at dbxuk.com to let us know. We hope you've enjoyed this episode and look forward to welcoming you next time on the Data Rockstars Coffee Pod.